We are finishing a series called Saturate, and uh, it's been a fun uh, few weeks together just walking through this theme. The, the, the heart of this is, uh, you know, how does God want to use us to spread his goodness and his good news in our city and in our world? And uh, we, as we had started with this kind of circle image, these concentric circles, you know, how do we spread out and saturate our neighborhoods and workplaces with God's goodness and good news? And we started talking about us first. You know, the first questions we asked were these ones, you know, uh, what is saturating my life these days? If you can go to the next slide. And then what is saturating my life right now, but then what must saturate my life right now? And I hope over the last few weeks, uh, you've been thinking about that and reflecting on that as we've continued to to work through this series, because I believe, you know, between this and this is really an area of growth uh, for each of us, including myself. We moved on in the series to, to ask this question, how is Jesus saturating our lives? And we used three or four words from Jesus's story in the gospels, the word come, follow, abide, and go. And those first three words were really what we focused on in terms of what does it mean to be saturated by Christ, to respond to his invitation to come to him, to follow him, and also to abide in him. And then the next week we focused on this word go because we read through uh, just the story of Jesus sending out his disciples Now, beyond just hanging out together, he sent them out into different towns and villages where he would eventually go to to share his goodness, to share his good news, um, to spread the message that God's kingdom was here, and also to demonstrate God's kingdom power as uh, people got healed and transformed. Uh, But then last week, we, we, we... paused in a moment to ask, well, what kind of life are we, rep- are we reproducing as Jesus saturates us, but also as we, we want to see others grow in him? And so we had this triangle image from last week, and we said, we looked at Jesus' life, and we noticed that Jesus had an upwards relationship with God the Father, an inwards relationship with the community of disciples, which we today would call the community of Christ followers or the church like we are. Um, and then an outwards relationship with the world, longing to impact people around him. And so we talked about that as a three-dimensional life, that if we just go one way, all about a relationship with God the Father is wonderful, but we won't feel the dynamic um, beauty of, of really an up-in-and-out life. And the same thing, if you're only upwards or you're only inwards, or, or even you're just two out of three, Jesus models all three. And if we want to see our lives saturated with his truth and also be used to saturate the world around us, uh, we, we look to that, the three relationships that are key. Today I want to ask the question, you know, what's our part in God's mission? How do we play a part in spreading his goodness and spreading his good news? And I believe each of every one of us has a part to play. This summer, my daughter, after several years, she joined the soccer team in DDO. And she did years ago when she was five and then didn't again until she was 11 this year. And she joined the DDO Soccer Association. And that's her and some of her teammates playing. And I remember, you know, what, what we found out behind the scenes, because the soccer associations, if you don't know this, you know, there's a lot of like gossip that goes on behind the scenes in all sports associations in the city. And there's hierarchy and this and that. And we found out that our daughter's team was kind of like the leftover players put together because none of them played, not many of them played in the past or in the last couple of years. So coaches had kind of stacked their teams with like great players or people that they knew and all this kind of stuff. And, and so my daughter's team was, it seemed like people that weren't connected, if you want to call it that way. And so we, we were just 
we needed a coach and we weren't sure how this was going to work. And so this guy stepped up as a coach, one of the, the daughter's dads. And he happened to be a triple A or a double A U21 girls coach. And he happened to be a technical director for one of the clubs in Montreal. Um, so the guy knows what he's doing. And, and so this, this team that had, you know, initially were thought of as, oh, these are the leftover players, got this amazing coach. And I remember sitting in as he's talking to the team and as he's talking to Julia and the girls, and he would enforce so much. He would say, girls, listen, don't worry about just scoring. I want you to play your part. I want you to play your position. I want you to, if you're mid-left or mid-right or mid-center, you play that position. And then he would say, trust your other player. Trust your forward. Trust your defense left or right to, to do what they're meant to do and get them the ball. And he would say this to them every week. And when they would, you know, would kind of want to hog the ball and just kind of pack up together, he'd say, no, no, that's not how we're playing soccer. It's not just about scoring. It's about playing your position really, really well. And over the season, the girls started to play as a team and really play their position well. And this team that started as the leftover players won the championship. They won, they won the championship for the... And, you know... I thought, it was, when I, when I thought it was such an amazing example of what it means to not just worry about the score, but play your part, play your position. And I think there's something to be said about that in how we become part of God's kingdom's mission, how we spread goodness and good news to the world around us as a church community, as individuals part of this community. What does it mean to play our part? And of course, we can play our part together in various ways. Like today, as we're here, you know, it's not just one or two people that have enabled this gathering to take place. There's a setup team and a connections team and a worship team and, and kids mentors and teachers and storytellers in nine different rooms on the other side of this wall. And, and so there's so much going on. There's a team effort. There's a team effort as our community group hosts and homes uh, open up their homes uh, every week and, and people come together. There's ways that we're serving the community. So we, we serve together and play our part. But then there's our part as well in how are we spreading God's goodness and good news in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our families. And I think if we can understand our role in God's mission, we will see more fruit. We will see more people come to discover the beauty of Jesus, his goodness and his good news. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 to 9, and it's, it's just a short passage where the Apostle Paul is speaking to a first century church called Corinth, uh, the Corinthian church, and it was a church that he had started, that he had seen grow uh, to a group of people, but there's a little bit of a, of a conflict going on in a sense where people are looking to you know, individuals as, you know, I follow Paul or I follow this person named Apollo, so I follow this leader. And they started to, to create this, uh, almost this um, over-dependency on some of them. And so this is what Paul tells them. He says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I plant the seed, Paulos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are 
co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. I love this because here we have this, this context where some people are just looking to one person or another person or another person and Paul is saying, wait a second, we all have a role here. And he doesn't, he doesn't bring correction by ignoring the roles. He doesn't bring correction by saying, forget about Paul and forget about Apollos and forget about this leader. No, how he brings correction is clarifying how each person fits within the bigger team, how each person fits within the bigger mission. Verse 5, I love what verse 5 says. If you go to the next slide, verse 5 says, only servants, he says, through whom, so these people, like Paul and Apollos, through whom you came to believe. Did you catch that? Here's this, this affirmation that the people that Paul is writing to, who once were not following Jesus, but now are following Jesus, who once didn't know God's goodness, but now know God's goodness, came to believe in Christ through people, through other people, through people like Paul and Apollos, and maybe other people that they'd met. God uses each of us to help others come to know Jesus. So through whom you came to believe, and I love this next part, as the Lord has a ta- as assigned... To each his task, we each have a part to play. God uses people to reach people, people to spread his goodness and good news. Somebody in that town in the first century discovered who Jesus was because another person played their part. Somebody in that town in the first century discovered the goodness of God because another person who was already part of God's family played their part. I believe each and every one of us are here today because somebody played their part in God's mission. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago how the, the Christian faith has been part of my family for two or three generations and that my great-grandfather came to discover Jesus working on a project in Pittsburgh because he moved from Italy to work for his, to get money to his family and someone shared the goodness and good news of Jesus with him. That person played their part and my great-grandfather came to discover Jesus and spread that into a village in Italy, which spread to my grandparents and my parents and myself. The Lord is assigned to each his task. Seems like Paul and Apollos each had their task, their part to play. And I love how we, we get it described there. Paul planted the seed. Apollos watered it. Paul played his part in sharing the message Apollos played a part in watering the message, nurturing the message, giving context, encouraging, discipling along the way. Each, Paul and Apollos, fulfilling their part in God's mission. This is, this is driven by this great desire that Jesus leaves his first disciples, as this spreads further on to other disciples, in his great commission, where he, he tells these initial disciples, the end of, of Matthew's Gospels, go and make disciples of all nations. This, this, first, this first mission that first circled around Israel discovering God's kingdom in a fresh way moved beyond Israel to the world. Jesus commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples. He uses a story about a farmer who sows seeds in one of the gospels as an image of how the kingdom spreads. J.J. actually used those words in his prayer today that, that, you know, as Jesus says, the kingdom is like a farmer sowing seeds along a path. And some of those seeds catch and grow. Some of those seeds get, get um, choked by some of the worries of life. Some of those seeds fall on a shallow ground and don't grow as quickly. But the, 
the, the, the mission of, of Jesus would be that we spread seeds of his kingdom wherever we go. We saw that in the story a couple of weeks ago as Jesus sent out 70 of his disciples to towns where he would eventually go to because he wanted them to hear the message of his goodness and good news and respond. Romans chapter 10 um, has this great passage in Romans 10 verse, verse 14, I believe. We'll read it here together. I love this. Here's this first proclamation. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the, on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring, what does it say? Good news. One last line, I love this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So this, the goal that, that was burning through the, the New Testament church was that people would discover who Jesus is. It doesn't take away the need or the importance or the call that we have towards compassion in our society or justice issues um, or other areas where we need to be God's living and local presence. But there's this mission thrust that we read in the New Testament that God calls us to, to share God's goodness, practical, and his good news, the message of Jesus. But here's, the, here's, the, here's this thought. Only a small percentage of people, and I bet you we all fit into this, that if we did a survey, only a small percentage of you would fit into a one-time moment where you came to Christ. A one-time moment where it was like one day you were not following Jesus and the next day you were. Maybe there was a decision day, but I bet you there's a small percentage of you that it only landed on this one day where if you look, there's probably a process of how you came to Christ. In fact, there's probably people here today who are at some point in their spiritual journey and they're, they're discovering, you're discovering you're, you're searching. You're just slowly figuring out who God is. I was just chatting with Shannon before and I asked her if I can share this story. Shannon's been around Westside five, six years. The first time I met Shannon, she showed up at a class we did called Engaging the Bible because she had questions about the Bible and critiques about the Bible, right? And some things that she just thought, ah, this is, I'm sure I'm going to find something strange about this. So she joined this one day, one morning class. First time I met Shannon, she had her questions. She was honestly pursuing, and we went through what it means to engage the Bible. I didn't see her for months. A little bit later on, she joined this class we had called Financial Peace, just to help people you know, have a better view of their money and their finances and how to pursue life in a healthier way that way. And that was the next time I kind of saw her in, in that kind of setting. But she joined the class, uh, connected with the class, uh, grew, took whatever she needed from it, I guess, and then I didn't see her that much. I saw her per- sporadically. I think she came at Christmas or Easter and some other times. But then about three, four years ago, I remember it was, I remember it's, it was close to summer. It was June, and sh- I saw her one Sunday, and then I saw her the next Sunday, and then I saw her the next Sunday, and then I saw her throughout the summer, and then I saw her into the fall, and I thought, oh, something's happening with Shannon. And I realized that this was a journey. This was a process that she was on that different people played a part. That, that class maybe played a part. That conversation she had at home or with her friends coming to our gatherings, slowly welcoming the Lord into her life. 
Um, right now in this season, she's serving as a mentor in our youth ministry. She led Flipside for a year last year. God's been using her, but look at this process. It's just this long process. And, I, and statistics tell us that 70% of people that come to Jesus engage a process of discovery where many people are involved in the process, where many moments are involved in the process. And I think our role is discerning someone's spiritual journey and discerning our role in someone's spiritual journey. Discerning someone's spiritual journey and discerning our role in someone's spiritual journey. So here's three brief thoughts today that I think will help us play our part. The first thought is this. We must learn to be present every day. We heard that a little bit from Ricardo and Flavia, just allowing God into their day. See, we often associate evangelism or sharing the message of Jesus with a one-time event or with talking, but instead, it starts with a normal life. I love when Jesus sent out the 70 disciples where we read in Luke chapter 10 a couple of weeks ago. He sends them out and he says, when you get to someone's house, say peace upon this house. And if they embrace you, hang out with them. Stay there a while. Eat with them. Spend time with them. In other words, Jesus is saying, be present with the people that welcome you in. There's something powerful about just being present and hanging around people and being real and sharing a meal and going out for coffee, or sitting on your porch, or opening up your backyard and inviting some neighbors for a barbecue, or helping a neighbor with yard work. There's something about just being present. One of the supervisors here, he's not here today, I want to pray for him, his name is Serge, and he's often watching us, and he loves to listen to the music. (laughs) And um, he's He's connected with some people. Uh, Last year, as Natalia was part of our Kids Quest leadership team, he would see her a lot because she was here early in the morning. And he he talked to her often. And she was just present. And he he gave her a gift for the baby coming. (laughs) And... And he, 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 he tried to bring his wife in who is, in, who is in a wheelchair and immobile. And Serge just loves just being around. And there's something about being present with people. I don't know where he is fully on his spiritual journey, but I got a text from him this week or a Facebook message because he's on our Facebook page. And he said, can you please pray for my wife? Now, this is serious. I'm going to ask you to pray for her because he said, my wife tried to take her life on Friday, but she didn't. Can you please pray for my wife? I don't know where Serge is on his spiritual journey or where his wife is, but he reached out to us because we are just present with him. We're present with him. Today, this week, all week, would you pray for Serge's wife? And would you pray for Serge? What does it mean to be present with people? Because you don't know at what point in the journey someone is on, and you don't know where you're meeting them on in their journey. When I was in college studying music, a friend of mine named Mike was a guitar player and I would often um, think about sharing my faith with him and we were music buddies. We played, we practiced together, we were in a band together, we did music festivals or uh, competitions together and and I would often just be who I was. He knew what my life was about. Uh, Sometimes I would feel I had the opportunity to share who Jesus was in me to him but for the most part we we played together and I never in the course of those two years or specifically the one year where we were really together a lot did I ever see him really get closer to Jesus and I finished college and left and I felt, oh man, I wish Mike would have come to discover the beauty of Jesus. 
I wish I could have seen him cross this line of faith. A year and a half later, I went to visit the school. He continued in the third year program, and I saw Mike. And Mike, the first thing he did when he saw me, he says, Dave, recently I became a Christian. I'm like, what? And he said, I started dating this girl, and she was a Christian, and she started sharing Christ with me, and, and I, it just all came together. And I realized, like, I, I felt, part of me said, oh, I wish I would have been the person to see him. You know, like, come on, God, give me that beauty just to see this happen in someone's life. But I just had to play my part when we played together, when we hung out together, and this other person played their part in being present. There was a girl named Natalie that was an amazing piano player. She's gone off to perform and do amazing things. And one day I was in the practice room playing piano. I was actually practicing for some church stuff. So I was playing some worship choruses. And she walks in. And I was thinking, oh, she doesn't want to hear this worship music stuff. And she says, no, 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 no. Keep, keep playing. Keep singing. And I thought, I don't, okay, if you want. And so I did. And she just sat and listened. And she started to tear up. And I mean, she is a piano player. And I'm a piano player. You know what I mean? Like, she's awesome. And she's just, she's tearing up. And I don't, I don't remember our conversation that day. I remember something hit her. I remember having some conversations with her. But only two years later that I find out that she came to faith in Christ and was playing piano at a church, helping out as she does her other music stuff. And I wonder what part we're called to play if we're just present with people. That involves two things, listening and serving. Listening to people and discerning where they are in their spiritual journey, what they're walking through. And then serving them when they need to be served. Blessing them when they need to be blessed. But there's another piece of this in what it means to play our part. And, and um, it's, it's not just being present, but ready to proclaim Proclaim sounds like a little bit of an archaic word, but it's a word that we find in the New Testament, and it, it means declaring, it means announcing, because there's something about signaling people to the kingdom of God, letting them know that God's kingdom is near, God's kingdom is here, God's kingdom is present for them. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. This is not just sharing a message, but it's letting people know the hope that you have in your life. As Jesus sent the 70 disciples out, he said, go and proclaim that God's kingdom is near. That was hope. Because Israel and those towns were hurting underneath Roman oppression and under an unfulfilled dream and unfulfilled hopes. But as these people went to these towns, Jesus' disciples shared hope with them. But I'm going to be honest with you. I, I feel like I have a gap in my life between presence and proclamation. I feel like uh, if you, you know, see the relationships that my wife and I, have, our, our family has on our street, you might say, Dave, you're really present with your street. You hang out. We just had a barbecue uh, at the end of August, early September, where just like 10 homes were on our driveway for four or five hours with great conversation. My neighbor just texted me this week and said, hey, are you doing that, that hot chocolate thing on Halloween? We'd love to join you. We're present, but sometimes I feel like I have a gap between presence and proclamation. And I feel like, Lord, am I missing something? Am I not seeing something? Am I not discerning? Have I held back? And this is personally where God's getting my attention this, these days. Feeling the Lord saying, Dave, is there a gap between your presence and your proclamation? 
It doesn't mean we proclaim it every word, every moment, every, every opportunity, every time you walk out. No, it's about discerning. But I think there's this, we talk about persecution in the world today, and in the Western world, I, I don't think Christians are persecuted physically or, or with their jobs, as they might be in other parts of the world, marginalized. But one author says that, that persecution these days is not being killed for your faith, but being embarrassed by your faith. And, and often, or too often, we've allowed embarrassment, which really should, we shouldn't be, because, I mean, as we sang today, we're loved by God, we are His, there's beauty in being part of God's family, but there's such a climate in our culture, um, skepticism, uh, this kind of new kind of tolerance that doesn't really embrace all things, embraces just the things we want to embrace. And, and that feels like persecution to many people who find faith in Christ. You know, when you hear Bill Mayer's ter- you know, tear Christians down, and sometimes he even points us to what true Christianity is, political parties say they won't tolerate Christians. Sometimes atheist fundamentalists, you know, how do we speak to them? And I think sometimes there's a, there's a persecution of opinion and not physical. But I, I believe that we're called to proclaim. There's something about what it means to share Jesus with people and see Jesus speak into someone's life. I think what a prequel to that is listening in service. Listening in service. Listen to what's going on in someone's life. Serve them. And then as the Lord leads, discern when you can share Jesus with them. And what can you discern? You might discern what part of the gospel they need to hear. Maybe your friend needs to hear the peace that the gospel brings. Maybe one of your friends or family members need to hear the forgiveness that the gospel brings. Maybe one of them needs to hear the joy that the gospel brings. Maybe one of them needs to hear the security like we sang today. I am his and he is mine. And, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe one of your friends needs the wisdom that the gospel brings or the victory over something they're struggling with that the gospel brings. But you will only know that as you get to know people and discern their story and then discern which part of the gospel should I share with them first? How can I let them know? And it leads to this last piece. It's ready to pray. Are we prayerful? Because we need to bathe our life of mission with prayer. We will not be able to learn, understand what's going on in our, in our neighbor's lives or our friend's lives or how the Lord's leading us unless we are prayerful. Luke chapter 10 verse 2 Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers out into the harvest field because the harvest is is there, is ready. So we say, Lord, lead us, guide us. You know why we need to pray? Because evangelism is a spiritual practice. It's not a pragmatic practice. It's a spiritual practice. It's spirit-led. You're partnering with the Spirit's mission of leading people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit already is speaking to people. The Holy Spirit's already working in people's lives. We just partner. So prayer helps us listen to people and listen to God. There's a girl I met, an, an, um, an older woman in her mid-50s, working as an executive pastor in the Boston area. I met her at a conference. And she, she started to share with me some of her stories of how God's been using her. And I was sharing some, some of my you know, um, questions around evangelism because she seemed to be one of those people that have the gift of evangelism. So she told me, she, she would say that, she would just encourage me to understand a little bit more about what it means to um, be open to God's spirit when he's leading us. And, he, and she's told me this story of, of, she was going to this gym and this young 
20-something-year-old guy was her personal trainer at this gym. So she noticed that he started asking her questions, like just real meaningful life questions. And um, she started to pray every time she went to the gym, God, fill this gym with your presence. And then she started to pray, Lord, would you fill me more with your spirit so I can understand what's going on with this person? And, and over time, he would ask her these questions. And then he, one day he said, Sharon, would you, do you have, ever have time for like breakfast, you know? And she said, maybe, what, do you, what, do you, you know, what, what are you thinking of? And she, he said, I have questions about my vocation. Do you ever feel like you have a calling in life? And she said, yeah, I could tell you about that. And so they met for breakfast one morning in a public place and, and he started asking her about vocation and calling and she had this amazing opportunity to share Jesus and she talked about what it means just to be prayerful. Just to be prayerful. So let me ask you, what's your part? Are you playing your part? Being present. Being ready to proclaim. Being prayerful. And let me say this, we're not, you're not in this alone, we're in this together. I believe that our gatherings and our groups are places where people can find Jesus. What if we used those places, like this morning, to invite our friends, to invite those who are far from God but that want to know and want to come closer? I believe that, that though Westside's not a perfect church and we need to grow in many different ways, but I believe God has blessed us with people that are caring and authentic and welcoming, and I believe that, that we can share the, the, the teachings of Scripture for those who are believers, but those who need to understand and grow a little bit in different ways, and I believe there's opportunity for you to invest in people, but also invite them to places like this and to our groups that show what it means to be the kingdom. This, this, uh, this Halloween, some of you guys might not agree with this, and it's okay, but our, our, my wife and I and our family thought, you know, we're going to be a blessing on Halloween. There's tons of people who walk by our house. And we're not the kind of people who celebrate Halloween. You'll never see a skeleton on our window. But we thought, well, you know what, like, how do we bless our, our, our community? And so we, last, last year we said, we're going to just, we're going to have a, a hot chocolate and marshmallow stand uh, on the street and we're just going to bless people who come by. I'm telling you what was happening at that moment, and it was that people started to see that, there was people saying, you should go down to 221 because it's an awesome corner tonight, you know? And so they, they started to, to show up, and some people hung out for 10, 15, 20 minutes, and, and this year, part of our community group says, hey, why don't, we'll, we'd love to join you in, in doing this together. And our neighbors who aren't believers said, can we join you on Halloween? Because it's kind of boring what we do. We just, we'd love to hang out on the driveway with you. And so there's this little thing happening. And I believe we can partner together in God's mission. We can partner to be goodness and good news. We can do this together. As I bring this to a close, let me come back to Sharon. Because this girl from Boston, this lady from Boston, when she said, every time I walk into the gym, I pray. Say, Lord, Fill this place with your presence. Presence. She said, Lord, fill me with your spirit so I can see and discern what's going on in my friends' lives and how you want to use me. And then she said, and God will give you discernment to know when, if and when and how to proclaim. But she said this one line to me that just has stuck with me. I wrote it in my journal and she said this, Dave, we need to learn how to wake up every day ready to play our part. That's what she said. Just wake up every day ready to play your part. Ready. Where, God, where are you at work? God, what are you doing in the moment? God, who are you? What are you doing in this person's lives? 
Because success for you and me in saturating our city with goodness and good news is not just leading someone to Christ today. That's, we'd love to see people come to Jesus. It's, it is the goal of mission for people to discover Jesus. But success is this for you and me. Have you played your part today? That's success. Have you played your part today? Have I played my part today? Have I woken up ready to play my part? Tomorrow morning when you get up for work, when you get up to start your day, are you ready to play your part in God's mission? Let's stand as we, we close here. Some of you guys are following the, the, Blue, Jay, the Blue Jay Fever, our Canadian uh, baseball team. We're all hoping they win and move forward. Um, one of the games, the pitcher, R.A. Dickey, he's a, he's a knuckleball thrower, and he's the only pitcher to actually uh, win you know, with, with his knuckleball, the way he throws it. And he talks about how difficult it is to throw a knuckleball because you, when you throw it, you, you kind of release the ball without a spin. And so it's risky to use that knuckleball in a, in a game setting if you want to keep a winning streak. Well, one of the games, I can't remember if it was game five or six, which one it was, but um, he was like just doing amazing. He was, he was a star for, that, for, for like six innings or something. And the coach makes a call to pull him out and brings in the other pitcher. And some people thought, why, why did the coach do that? I mean, this guy's playing amazing. He's, the team is winning because of him. He pulls him out in that later inning and he brings in another guy. And they, they interviewed him later. And they interviewed him and they said, how did you feel when the coach took you out? And he said, listen, he said, I'm, I'm here for the team. I'm not here just for me. Would I have loved to win that game? Would I have loved to go to the ninth inning? Would I have loved to be the guy that I can put the win on my stats? Yes. I mean, we're all competitive. We're sports players. And, uh, and he, said, he said, but I remember someone saying once, and I'll quote it today. He said, we can accomplish so much when we don't worry who takes the credit. We can accomplish so much when we're not concerned about who gets the credit. R.A. Dickey will try and post his video. He did an I Am Second video. He's a believer, a follower of Jesus. And uh, I just thought it was so amazing to hear this phrase. And this is partly true with mission. I think we can accomplish so much when we're not worried who gets the credit. Whether it was my friend Mike, the guitarist in, in college, or if it's one of my neighbors or one of your friends, I believe with all my heart, though, there are people in each of our lives that God is already speaking to, God's already working, to, working in, God is already revealing Jesus to, and he's already sent us to play our part in their lives. And I, I, I believe with all my heart that God has already positioned you and me to saturate our city with goodness and good news. I believe he's placed you in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, in your family, in your circle of friends, on your street, to spread God's goodness and good news. The question is, will you play your part? Will I play my part? Next Sunday, we have an opportunity. We're saying, don't come to church. Don't come to a gathering. Be the church in the neighborhood. I know you're going to be tempted to do something else. I know you're going to be tempted even to visit another church. And it's not bad to visit another church. You can bless another church. It's all right. We're we're, we're not worried about that. But our goal is, let's live this out. 
Let's plan next weekend as a weekend that we will tangibly saturate our city with goodness and good news. And I'm telling you, plan now. My wife and I plan to meet with a, a family from our soccer team, and they just emailed us this morning and said, we're, not, we're busy next weekend, we can do the weekend after. What, why am I telling you this? We're going to figure something out for what that looks like for us next weekend, but plan ahead. You don't want to ask someone Friday night for Sunday and realize they're busy. Plan ahead. Pray into this. Be present. And then just listen to the Lord for how he uses you to play your part. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that um, you are our God, our Father, in Christ, our Savior, our Lord. God, we admit right now as we come to a close today that we need Jesus as much or more than anybody else that we lock eyes with. And so as we go out into the world to saturate the world with your goodness, with your good news, Lord, may we go with a posture that we already need and enjoy and embrace what we want to spread. That is Jesus. Lord, we do need you. And we say thank you for helping us discover life to the fullest in Christ. And I pray, God, for this next season that you would use us and that we would listen to your voice to play our part. I pray, God, for the the arrangements being made for next weekend as people are planning to be a blessing to someone, to interact with someone, to connect with someone, to spread your goodness and good news. Lord, go ahead of each and every one of our plans. Use us to play our part next weekend. May next weekend and next Sunday be... Uh, a weekend in our church history where we reach more people scattered than we would see even come to our gathering on a Sunday. Lord, please let that be so. You can use every one of us. We all have a part to play. We pray this in Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior. Amen.